Hello and welcome to episode five of When the Flames Go Up, the ATFC podcast with me, Will Brown. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, welcome back to the podcast after a little festive break. We've got a little festive roundup of the Chesterfield away game and the doubleheader against Woking. And then obviously we go on to talk about West Brom away this coming Sunday. Um, we do also make mention to the Tommy Widrington interview with Rob Worrell on NL Full Time. I've put a link to that episode on Spotify, on the uh, episode description. So if you haven't listened to it yet, it's a great listen for any Shorts fans. Um, we get to hear Tommy talking confidently about this club and the players that he's brought in and recruitment. And we talk about it quite a lot and mention some of the uh, important sound bites um, in the pod. So it might be worth uh, jetting off, listening to that, coming back um, to... Uh, yeah, to round everything off before Sunday. So the yeah quiz of the year. Thanks for all the messages about it, and um, I, I was expecting more messages about the carnage near the end with the questions. Um, yeah, so obviously we had Tim Cowden win with thirty-four points in the episode, but we had a late entrant from Matt Foot. He also got thirty-four. So um, we'll we'll split the trophy in half and get that sent to you. Um, that there is no trophy, so maybe for 2024, if anyone's got any metalwork spare. Uh, Dan Cranston with 33 points. We had Joe Cookson on the show, got 27. And then Ian Pierce tied with Callum Watson on 25. So, yeah, thanks very much for uh, for sending in your results. And, and for anyone else that didn't unofficially, you now know where you stand in the standings. Um, that's enough from me. Enjoy the episode and I'll speak to you in a bit. Right. So we're doing the festive football roundup to begin uh, this week. Um, we've seen a defeat, a draw and a win since the 23rd of December against Chesterfield. 4-1 uh, defeat away. We have Stokes opening the scoring. Old Acre um, scoring a free kick two minutes later. And then Chesterfield scoring three times in the second half. When it looked like Aldershot were pretty much in the game until about the 70th minute and things started slipping away. Uh, and then we moved on to the Boxing Day clash um, in, with 5,900 in attendance. Uh, a nil-nil draw, entertaining nil-nil, um, and a rare one for that fixture. It's normally always 2-1 to someone. And then we moved on to the New Year's Day game, which was at Kingfield. Ultrot coming through 3-2, uh, despite a kind of late flurry from Woking. Um, so we've got a panel of, of three of us, or four of us, um, three extra people and me. Um, so we're going to get their thoughts on the, the festive football and what they think of getting uh, four points from a possible nine. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into it. Um, Julian, what was your thoughts on the festive football this, this year? Yeah, I, I would say a mixed bag, really. Um... You know, the Chesterfield game was was an interesting one. We we took the lead really early and I was just really hoping that Chesterfield were going to have a bad day and that they were going to miss everything. But um, but they didn't. They got back into it really quickly. Perhaps I'm being a little bit biased, but I'm not sure if it was a free kick in the first place. But it was a good free kick. You can't argue with, with the way Old could put that away. A big crowd. Just before Christmas, good turnout from the shots, which was really pleasing as well. I thought we 
stayed in it for, for the majority of the game, even up to 65, 70 minutes. I, I really thought it could go either way. And of course, when the second one went in, perhaps the heads dropped a little bit. Uh, the crowd got even louder. And yeah, it, I think it was a bit flattering for them to, to win 4-1, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think it was a lot closer than that. Uh, then obviously, our games with Woking. Um, bit of a cagey affair at the wreck. Or the EBB, I should say, or say the wreck. Um, bit of a cagey affair. Uh, I think Stuart O'Keefe was still trying to get his match fitness back. You know, it just felt as if he was slightly off the pace, but he's, he's getting better and better every game. And I think in the in the New Year's Day one, you know, we could see him back to full fitness, a full 90 minutes in there as well. But that game at the wreck, again, could have gone either way. All right, so how many chances did we have? Uh, how many chances did Laurent Tollage have to to win it for us? But it was just one of those games. We're not going to win every game. So let's take the point, move on, go to their place and, and dance all night because it was a great result. Their supporters were, were really, really frustrated with, with how they, they played. But also I thought we played our best football for probably a month. You know, there was so many of those... You know, cutting passes through the middle. Um, I thought Ollie Scott was great down the left-hand side. It's really nice to see, although I, I know we all love Ryan Glover, but uh, I thought it was really nice to see a left-footer getting a getting a ball across. And and that cross for when Tollage did his acrobatic kick and just missed so close. Uh, goal of the season by, by a mile if that had gone in. But uh, and I thought all rounds a solid, solid uh, festive roundup win, lose a draw. Um, but the draw, the, the victory, I thought, um, on New Year's Day was so important because obviously we're not going to be in the league now for a couple of weeks. You know, I, I was having visions if we didn't pick up three points that we could end up being, you know, four, five, six, seven points behind the playoffs. And and when you're playing catch up, it always puts that little bit of pressure on, doesn't it? So um, overall, really happy. Um, we're in a good place. Looking forward to the weekend, which we'll come on to shortly. And um, yeah, I'd say uh, overall good festive period. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I think, yeah, talk, going back to the uh, the very start, the, the free kick for Old Acre's goal. I mean, the, the the first push is about 30 yards out and he pushes him about five yards forward. Then he gets, then he goes to the ground and just think if it was five yards back, he probably doesn't hit it that, get it that low. And Geordie can probably have a chance of, of getting it but yeah as you mentioned about the the, the kind of crowd at Chesterfield over 8,000 um, at this level it, it was quite a sight to be honest and at one point the four sides of the ground were singing and it just felt yeah I could, couldn't believe I was at a National League game um, so yeah um, how about you Joe your festive uh, roundup I think with the Chesterfield game I was again 4-1 just sounds really flattering to them um, and I think it just shows how good they are that um, they win that game 4-1, really, because they've got so many goal scorers. And we did gift them a couple of goals, really. Um, we played really, really well, I think. Um, and on another day, we probably get a point. Um, we've had quite a few guilt wedge chances that we've not put away, um, which is a real shame because um, the very few sides have got a result up there. Um, although Solihull um, did, didn't they, I think. So well done to them, but... Yeah, I watched that one from afar because I was away for Christmas. So um, my view of the game is obviously slightly different. 
Um, although much better than the, my view, the view of the game I had for a New Year's Day game where there was no stream whatsoever. Um, so sat there for 45 minutes watching the National League TV logo um, with radio commentary. Um, so I've only been able to watch the highlights for that one. But um, what a result that was. Um, I won't cover the nil-nil too much because I don't think that's as an interesting one to talk about um, if you weren't there. Um, but yeah, the 3-2... The I love this group of players. I absolutely love them. <laughs> the celebration scenes of the um, the third goal with Haji Minogue with his hands behind his ears. I don't know if you've all seen it. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, and then the scenes of Tommy at the end. Um, I think they all really, really love playing for him at the moment. Um, and I think we've all got behind that as fans. And um, I'm sure we'll talk a bit later about, you know, who might stay Um or who might be potentially leaving at some point in the next 12 months. Um, but I think they want to stay at the moment um, because it's so much fun to be a part of. So, yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll touch on his, uh, on Witherington's interview. Uh, Mark, but, mm. but, I mean, go and check it out. I mean, don't pause the podcast, but NL full-time, about mm. 10 minutes in, um, Witherington has a chat with Rob Worrell um, uh, and obviously asks the obvious questions about, recruitment and who's who might be going so some good sound bites in there that we'll we'll come on to um later um and ian how did you see the the uh, festive football all points quite happy really um chesterfield expected nothing with how dominant they've been um in the league they're gonna go past Wrexham, aren't they with how many points they're on target for assuming that nothing disastrous happens to them um so that was one to sort of quickly write off and move from. Uh, the Boxing Day game, I enjoyed it. It was a good game for a nil-nil. Um, plenty happened. Right result, I didn't feel we did enough. Uh, but some good saves from Yordi made sure that we didn't lose. Um, enjoyed the extra crowd. Um, so it's not just people jumping on the West Brom bandwagon people want to come and watch the other matches so that's welcome boost to the cup finances and similar position to Joe myself for the Woking match where I was decided I would purchase NLTV for the first time and guess what it didn't work so watch the highlights listen to Rob Worrell etc and um, yeah it looked like normal service resumed at Kingfield in terms of our good record overall that took a bit of a battering on New Year's Day last year. But we're back to back to our best and three points from that. And um, but when we resume league action, I don't know what the gap will be depending on games played by the other teams around us, but we're in touch and that playoff dream is still alive. Yeah, absolutely. I think those I mean the four points in comparison to last year's four one uh, there as well. It it just feel it felt like such a big game, going there to the ground, and you could see the the it, it's clearly got the players de- like desiring to get that win at Woking as well. I mean the it, the celebrations for the first goal are, as well. I know Joe alluded to the fourth uh, the third, um, in front of the Woking fans, which is superb. But the uh, but Toe lads just got a point in at the badge. Oh, I mean, just oh, God, I'm very, genuinely falling in love with this this team and the players and a win away at Woking is now puts it in kind of folklore. You're, um, I was speaking to my mate Dan on the way out and he said he's so happy for Widrington to 
get a win here because plenty of rubbish managers have, have done it and we've had these amazing moments at Woking and it's not but now it feels like it's part of it's part of something part of a, a collective yeah I guess that I guess it's probably worth talking about Widrington and his kind of uh, the the comments he made on the podcast NL full time saying that no one will be leaving in the this transfer window and if they do we'll they'll be with with us until the end of the season so a kind of a loan back option. Um, he kind of mentioned Stokes and, and Toladge in that same breath, but um, yeah, I'd just like to get your thoughts on it. Really, if you if you listen to it, or you know, if you're just rounding up any rumours that you've heard about uh, Josh Stokes. Um, so yeah, Julian, what, what do you think? Um, yeah, I've had the, the pleasure of listening to it, and um, I, I really love uh, Tommy Widgington's passion for the club, but also for local football as well. There was one bit where he mentioned Portsmouth and, and obviously his Southampton connection there, um, that still runs deep. And, and that was a, you know, that was a long time ago that, 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 that happened when he was playing for Southampton. But um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of rumours going around with Stokes, isn't there? And, and Tolage. Um, I've heard Portsmouth are interested in both of them. Um, so many rumours, 95% of them probably aren't true. Um, but, it's just what it is. Um, I was really pleased to hear that you know, Tommy is insisting that we keep them for the season. Whether or not that will happen is another question. You know, I think if we do get a, a serious bid from a championship club um, with you know, a sell-on fee, etc., um, whether or not it would be too hard to turn down. Because um, I, I could honestly see him fitting into a, a Sunderland or an Ipswich. I really could. You know, the way the way both of those two play, he he would fit in and he would start scoring goals straight away. And, and suddenly you've got a player who's on the edge of the Premiership when six months ago he was playing for Sudbury. It's just unbelievable, really. But um, yeah, lots of rumours going around. Uh, I don't think I'll believe any of them till I see see something formal. Um, but yeah, just desperately hoping that Tommy gets the the wish from the board and and is able to keep the players until the end of the season. He mentioned also on the call. I don't want to uh, steal the thunder too much, but he was talking about four new contracts as well, and he's really expecting that all of them will sign as well. So, you know, just going back to the the guys' points earlier on, you know, this team love playing for us. You know, they really do. They enjoy training. They enjoy playing. You can just see it on their faces when when those goals went in at Woking. They they weren't just playing for themselves. They were playing for us. And um, it was just, uh, again, another memorable moment in this incredible season so far. Yeah, I think that's that, that was what came across so much, that that passion that he has for for the game as well and playing attacking football and, and playing on the front foot as well. He, he kind of mentioned about the, the goal difference being a bit unusual um, as well, which I, I thought was, yeah, we all, we all see it. He, he also sees it. Whereas I feel like uh, other managers that we've had previously probably wouldn't even allude to the fact that they've got a kind of slightly negative goal difference or, you know, um, it would be kind of push it under the carpet kind of thing. Um, Joe, I don't know if you if you uh, listened to it. Or have you got any thoughts on on what you heard? Yeah, yeah, I listened to it. It's um, it was what a fantastic interview that was. Um, um, just coming back to your last point you were just mentioning about... Um, you know, he's noticed the goals and um, how many we're conceding, but he also made some excellent points about, um, you know, people are getting their mon- money's worth at the rec or the EBB this, um, this year. And I think for years we've been saying it doesn't matter 
you know, who you bring in, the one thing that will bring supporters to the ground is goals. And I think goals at both ends, whether we like the at both ends or not, it's for entertainment fundamentally, isn't it? That's why we go and watch football and obviously for passion and, and all of that stuff. But we want to be entertained. And if we're not entertained, if you if you're 50 50 on going, you'll choose something else if you're not a you know passionate fan. Um so yeah, I think he's so passionate about the club and he knows what's going to bring people in and he's got players in to fit his system and to score goals and he would rather outscore at the moment than um, you know, scrap out a one nil. Even though he says he likes to scrap out a one nil, I think scoring's what he really likes, isn't it? <laughs> and yeah. the rumors about the rumors about Stokes, I mean, I've read everything. He's going to every club in the championship. If you go onto Twitter or X, whatever it's called, he's going to Oxford City, Oxford United for fifty p, and then he's off to Sunderland for uh, a million. He's been watched by a scout from every club, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he is actually being watched by a scout from every club because I think he that is where clubs are looking now for those um, options, especially clubs in League One. I know we mentioned Championship, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a league uh, top-end League One club that came in for him if he did go, because I think he'd be a guaranteed starter there if he did go. Um, but yeah, so many rumours. Um, I think the buy-to-loan option, I think, is a very likely one if, he was, if we were to accept a bid, because he's got, I think a year after this and I think Tommy said something about an, possibly an, an option for another year after that not that he would I don't think he'd take that um, but that was interesting to hear as well yeah yeah, it's good to see hear that kind of we, we've got the kind of power and we've got the assets and we're we're not going to kind of bend over for I mean it, it's just a, the shades from Ineffe Young earlier last year to now where we're in this strong position with assets and looking at basically waiting, do you know what I mean? Waiting for a, a be- the best offer and the best offer for us. Um, and the fact that he wants to keep this team together for the season is, I mean, I was beaming when I was listening to it. Um, Ian, what did, did you manage to have a listen? And uh, yeah, any thoughts on, on Widrington? It's, I've got it queued up really for my school run tomorrow. So I haven't listened yet. But um, the great thing is, as you said, we're not in position We've got to accept anything. We hold all the cards, if not all of most of them. Um, and it is a yeah, huge change from Enfield last year, where as much as we didn't like the deal, I think we had no choice really but to accept that. Uh, but there's now cash in the bank with the cup run. The fact more supporters are coming to watch. So wherever it is that Stokes ends up, It'll be a good deal for all concerned, I think. Um, seeing the rumours, I had a friendly sports Norwich message me say, oh, is this guy any good? And obviously I was able to talk at length to him about how good he was and send him all the clips and everything like that. And I can't remember ever, ever doing that with a player before. So that's uh, really, really good news. Um, yeah, gut feel is... I think that's right. I don't think there will be any moves in January or any departing. And if anyone departs, it's going to be more probably the, the fringe players and people that haven't particularly featured. Whereas our main guns, if you like, Stokes to large bar, we've got them for the second half. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, I mean, it's just great to, great to hear and have a, a strong squad. And it even kind of pertained to the fact that he might, he might be banging on 
Shahida Seem's door to try and get some more in in January if we if we get to the end of you know past Bishop Stortford or something we've got a big big opportunity to try and go for the playoffs this year. Um, yeah, I guess if we throw it back to the kind of the festive football, I just want to mention a few a few performances. The, the most recent one was, and he he mentions this in the um, podcast as well. So I, I feel like I'm just it's just living rent free in my head at the moment. But he talks about the Kobe Rowe playing right wing back on uh, New Year's Day, um, and it was something that. Hugo kind of laughed off when he first mentioned it to, to him as well. Um, I thought he was he was brilliant at right wing back, and it really threw it really threw working off. Um, so yeah, just just a testament to Widrington's ability to to get his players to play that system. Um, and yeah, it's been brilliant. Um, so yeah, I guess it'd be nice to have a little look at some of the kind of key key players for the festive period. I think Harfield and Harry's were pretty solid all, all throughout um, and especially in the Woking game I think Harfield was excellent and Harry's was so calm on the ball in the centre of that defence that I mean I, I was nervous for him every time because he'd do a little jink past but I mean they're so confident that it just works every time and of course it's not going to come off sometimes I mean Geordie nearly spooned one into his own goal but um, but for an even bigger bobble than he was imagining. Um, so yeah, any any word on your um, your main men for this festive period? Let's go to you, Julian. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo Ollie Harfield, uh, and I've mentioned him before. He, he is one of my favourites, um, and I'd say credit to Tommy Widrington as well because he has taken you know three or four of our players from last year. And I think with every single one, and he mentions this again in, in the interview, that um, he's sort of converted them into different roles. And, and I think they've all flourished. You know, Harfield last year in a defensive role worried me, if I'm being honest. Um, but now he's he's the first name on the team sheet for me. And the way he, he bombs forward as well from a, from a centre half back three position you know, some of those passes in that Woking game were, were just top, top draw. And um, and I think it says it all that he's played every single minute of every single game so far. Um, you know, that tells you everything I think you need to know. But yeah, for me, Ollie Harfield, and I mentioned to Ollie Scott, you know, I thought he, bearing in mind, he's probably still trying to get up to match fitness. Uh, I thought he put in a really good shift as well. Yeah, I, I think the, the other thing, I, I know we mentioned Glover earlier, I think he, he had a slight a knock as well, so... Um, good from Ollie Scott to come in and really challenge from that position as well in his half absence. He did it did still come on, obviously, because Glover can't be excluded. Um, what about you, Joe? From your from the bits that you watched, who would you uh, select as your kind of man of the festive period? Yeah, I think Harfield's a bit of an unsung hero, isn't he? Really, um, I'll be totally honest and echo a little bit what Julian said when I first saw him at the start of whoops, uh, last season. Um, when he used to play under Molesley, I was, I really didn't rate him at all. Um, because he primarily is in a defensive position, isn't he? And um, he, I quite frankly didn't think he def- could defend very well. And but we've got a young team, um, and Harfield's clearly got the right attitude, and he's been taken on his coaching, and he's an excellent defender now, and he's excellent going forward. Um, and I think he's one of those players that when we talk about these players that might be going. I know Harfield signed a new contract, but he's still very young. 
And um, I think he's one we should actually be a little bit worried about who's looking at him because that position in football at the moment is used so much and is um, decent players in that position are few and far between. Um, so, yeah, he's he's excellent. Glover's improved massively. He was quite, I think, a little bit inconsistent last season and seems to have found a lot more consistency under Widrington. But my biggest one is, um, and I feel a little bit sorry for, is Jack Barham because we talk about Tullard and Stokes all the time. Jack Barham's got over 10 goals this season. And if we thought we'd have a player who had over 10 goals at this stage of the season and we wouldn't really be talking about him, if you told me that last year. <laughs> um, but in fact, we've got three players um, on over 10 goals. I think we're the only team in the top six divisions with three players over 10 goals each. Um, don't quote me on that, but that is pretty amazing, really, considering we've had the strikers we've had, the inverted commas strikers we've had at this club in the last 10 years um, have barely managed 10 goals between them. It's pretty amazing. So, yeah, Barham gets my shout out because um, he does. He just doesn't stop running and he seems to um, get more shots on target than not compared to last season. So, good man. Yeah, I mean, Barham is... Barham is, is lovely to watch as a, uh, I mean, especially in a in that front line as well because he he works so hard. I mean, him trying to plow that lonely furrow at the back end of last season uh, when he joined um, was was obviously everyone had a kind of slightly negative view of him and was like, well, he's not going to score. He can't score twenty goals. Like he he hasn't got the full game or whatever. But I think in in a front three, he's showing that he can score. Well, you know, from well mainly in the box. To be fair, he's a great poacher. I think also one thing that part of his game, his aerial ability for someone of his height is quite astounding, really. Um, Again, we've had, I won't name too many ex-strikers names, but strikers that have had 6-2 come through our club and not win a header. And he's about half that height and seems to be able to win everything in the air. So I find that quite quite um, a strong point of his game as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's the way he times... He times the jump against a centre back, and even if he doesn't head the ball, he he's annoying because he gets in the way of their their jump, and it makes him second guess slightly. Obviously, the very experienced centre backs still know where the ball's going to go and head it, but it's just annoying to have this guy just jump in front of you all the time. Um, and and you, Ian, how did you? Uh, who would you select if if not anyone else that's been there, been chosen so far? I'm struggling to think of anyone that's not really been named. I think we uh, summed it up really. With, with who's been mentioned. Quite enjoyed watching Minogue. I think that's been a positive. He's not ours, is he? Then we're going to miss him over the next month. And so he's somebody we won't necessarily see long term, but at least we've got him for the rest of the season. Unless, of course, Portsmouth do haul him after the African Nations Cup. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Portsmouth's being touted for, uh, for, for Tolad or Stokes, then if they can throw in Minogue the other way. I'd I'd see that as a good deal if we can uh, get some money. Um, yeah, I suppose the other only other talking point, I suppose at the end of the Woking game is is the Stokes um, second yellow dive descent misses West Brom away. Now um, Widdington pretty much confirmed that today. Well, even he didn't seem like certain of it, which I just think shows you how ridiculous the ruling is because I did, I didn't know to be honest. Most people had a general inkling, but I didn't have a clue what the law was for a second yellow that's not a straight red. What did you think of that on Ian? Did you see it? 
Have you seen that? Uh, I've seen it. Yeah, it's very, very unfortunate. And I have to guess that it's the same because otherwise it's definitely not a dive, is it? And you think with the Woking defenders got his hands on his shirt, um, so it has to be the descent, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, the, the clarity around suspension, I saw about 10 different things put forward as to everyone going, he, he can play because of this or he can't play because of that. So that just shows, yeah, how unclear the rules are. But my, my gut feeling when I was texting someone when we went down to 10 men was, oh no, he's going to miss the West Brom game. But in terms of how we've been talking about Stokes, he's got many, many bigger games than that to come in his career. Well, not least the uh, the replay at the wreck where he'll score the winner. That's so that's how it works, isn't it? But yeah, even the even on the FA website it says the kind of section and the ruling, like the law, then the section. So even if you go to that reference in the rule book, like I've already had to click on like four PDFs to get to this point. You finally get there, and it doesn't. It's not very. It's not specific. It's just a list of all the misdemeanors that a player can do, like dive, like descent. I thought it was. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too pernickety, but tell us what it actually is. So it's not very rare that we'd. It's quite rare that we'd need to look at those things. Um, what was your your view on it, Joe? After you saw the kind of replays, um, I think the referees made a call on something that he's not had a full view of. Um, and then I think when he's made that call, he's then realised if he thinks it's a dive, he's got to book him. Um, and I think it's just really unfortunate because I think sometimes in those situations, referees, if that's the first yellow, will happily give it out. But a second yellow for that something they think is a dive that I don't think he's had a full view of, he's kind of sort of held that second yellow up and he's realised that's, that's then a red card and... We've got, yeah. I mean, in any other game, you, it's not it's not as much of an issue. But with the impact that that red cards had for a tie against West Brom in the FA Cup, which any other year we're massive underdogs for, but this year with a player like Stokes, I think we've got a genuine chance of an upset. Without him, the task's a lot bigger. And um, yeah, I think it's I've seen the the still frame of the Woking player with his arm literally got him in an arm bind and um, you can't claim that's a dive if someone's grabbing your arm and pulling you towards the ground you're going to fall over but you know that's that's just my opinion <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah it, i mean the the descent thing did has slightly irked me because he makes the decision or the free kick happens so quickly as well he gives the free kick and then like basically immediately as he falls on the floor so that that's what cast my mind into doubt that it was descent but maybe that's where the yellow came from. I don't know. What? Did, how, how about you, Julian? What did you think of that? Yeah, I think the uh, the angle that the ref was watching the game from uh, made it really hard for him to to make a decision. Um, he could only see Stokes in front of of the player. I don't think he could see the the arm lock. Um, and if you look at it from one particular angle, there's a moment when he does go over that it looks. Like there is a slight push, in my opinion. So I think it's a genuine penalty, uh, to be honest. And uh, and Stokes is obviously really upset because it's it's gone against him. So I again I may be wrong, but I think the booking was for faking a dive. 
Um, I'm not sure if it was for dissent, but I don't think we'll ever know. And there, there lies the problem. <laughs> we we may, may never know. When you see the referee give the yellow card, he doesn't immediately go to the red. So maybe he thought at that point, right, first time, guy's not on the yellow. I need to do something. I'll give him the yellow. Oh, hang on. I've obviously got to give the red now. So that could be the error that the refs made there in not knowing who it was or when it was, etc. So yeah. maybe what I've said just now about dissent, perhaps I'm leaning towards the ref what I've know. just remembered, basically. Yeah, there were so many. I mean, those all, all three seemed like viable options, I think, because... The way it happened. What do you What do you think, Joe? Sorry, I was going to say, bring back the just like a ten minute sin bin. The punishment would have felt far far um yeah felt far better because we still wouldn't have had him for the added time, which is fine. We don't need him. We didn't need him eventually. Luckily. So let's let's have a little look at West Brom away. Let's get excited for it. Um, so, Ultrashot play West Brom away on Sunday, two o'clock kickoff. Um, over 4,600 or nearly 4,600 tickets sold in the uh, Smevic Road end. Um, and yeah, what, what are your main thoughts about it? I'm going to come to you, Ian, first. Oh, can't wait. I've been thinking about it for weeks. And uh, new ground journey up. I'm going to drive to my brother who lives in Hall Green, Birmingham, and then you can get a direct train to the Hawthorns from there. So that's what we're going to do. And I'm absolutely astounded that we've sold as many tickets as we have. I thought on my previous appearance, 1,000, 2,000 tops. So it's great that so many people are on board. I know there's a few people going, oh, well, we won't have as many at Bishop Stortford. But the more tickets we sell the more money for the club and that's got to be the main thing about this that if it ends on sunday then we've banked a serious amount of cash from this without stokes i don't know the chances are not so high but i think we can i I still feel fairly cautiously optimistic that i think if championship team they're going to be more interested in getting the premier league i think and I think we'll get a sneaky 1-0 win like Stockport or we'll do enough to take them back to a replay, perhaps after a 0-0. I mean, that's the kind of optimism we need to start things off. Um, I suppose it's worth worth saying that West Brom are currently fifth in the Championship. The last two wins were against Norwich and Leeds, both 1-0s. The other games in the last four were Middlesbrough and Swansea. They lost those both 1-0. Um, a lead supporting mate at work said they're very dirty, but I mean, I'm assuming that's some sort of, you know, that's leads for you. Um, the only time they've conceded more than two goals in a game, they've done it once this season. That was to John Eustace's Birmingham City um, 3-1, and that was in October. All the other games have been ones and twos. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, how about you, Joe? What are, you, are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, on Sunday's game and your plans for the day? Uh, yeah, coming up from, obviously I live uh, near Exeter, so straight up the M5 and then literally just off the M5 and we're at the Hawthorns. So um, bringing a few um, 
friends from home. So I, I always find it interesting reading on um, various platforms. You go, oh, where are all these people, you know, at, at, you know, various other away games? Well, my mate from work who fancies coming along, if I say, do you want to go to West Brom or do you want to go to Kidderminster in a couple of weeks? Um, well, he doesn't even support us in the first place. I'd rather he came to one than none. Um, so we take what we can get. And I think that's accounts, the, those sort of people coming account for a lot of the extra sometimes because um, it is a great day out. You're going to be in a, a great atmosphere and it's um, a big ground to visit. So um, and a lot, a lot of people who come sometimes you're going to choose that game over others. So um, I think it's brilliant. I think we've got, um, I mentioned it earlier, we've got a, um, we have got a chance without Stokes. It is a smaller chance, I think, just because he is, championship quality and I think he could you know he is good enough to cause problems to a championship defense um with the way he uses his body and the way he turns and um he's that good um but Tolarge again he is going to cause mayhem um for any defender because of his physicality um I think West Brom have got some of their forward options out um at the moment so they might not be as much of a threat we won't see as much of the ball as we do um, in the National League, but we are an excellent counter-attacking side. And as Swindon learnt, um, Swindon learnt very quickly, <laughs> three times in the space of 10 minutes. Um, you know, if we catch them by surprise, um, we, we could be in for uh, a replay, if not a um, a win. But we'll, a clean sheet would be the most amazing thing <laughs> on Sunday. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but imagine if it did. <laughs> That would be lovely. That would be a lovely squeaky nil-nil or something, or a one-nil clinging on. Um, so you alluded to their that their kind of forward options are a bit shot to pieces. That they, they are, they have got many. I mean, I'm probably going to do them a disservice, but um, they've recalled Jovan Malcolm from Cheltenham, um, who's a forward. Who's I, I don't think he scored in any of his loan appearances. He, he was at Solihull 2022 at Cheltenham this year. Um, so they've got Grady Diangana out. He's gone to the AFCON. Jed Wallace and John Swift are doubtful. They've not. They've, they were kind of out in the last couple of games. Um, Adam Reach is returning from a long-term injury. Um, they've just had Jeremy Sarmiento recalled on loan by Brighton, who's then gone straight to Ipswich. Um, lots, lots of West Brom fans are bemused by that, to be honest. And long-term out, they've got. Matt Phillips and Josh Nadger. Um, so they they're, they're not too happy about how many players they've got available. So I, I when I looked at the actual available squad, I I didn't it didn't scream championship at me. But um of course they're they're probably all much, much fitter and better players um than I, I would give them credit for. Um Julian, what about you? How are you feeling for the weekend? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I'll be traveling up in the on the morning. I'm gonna get there nice and early sample the uh the birmingham atmosphere a little bit walk around the streets waving my scarf do the things that uh, you only do a few times in your lifetime um but um I, i'm similar to the other guys i think i think there's a genuine chance you know there's there doesn't appear to be that many goals in the west brom team and you know i think uh, i think we're going to get a fair bit of the ball they, they do set up quite defensive and I think with Stokes missing, I think what we're going to do, and of course I may be wrong, but I think we're going to put three in the midfield. So I think it will be O'Keefe, 
Um, I think Tommy Willard will come in and he'll probably be alongside Frost as well, but possibly giving Willard the licence to to run forward into that sort of Stokesy space just behind the front two. But I think if we set up with three in the middle and still keep our two up front, but give those guys a bit of a licence, uh, I, I can see West Brom sort of not being that front-footed. I, th- I think they're going to sit back a little bit as well. Um, so I can't see many goals in it. You know, if you look at the, I think you mentioned it at the start, Liam, if, you know, the, the goals aren't there. The, the goals are not there. They're, they're winning 1-0s. They're losing 1-0s. Um, so I, I think that um, it's going to be a, a close game. Um, I'd be interested to know what the crowd's going to be from West Brom side because, you know, if, if we had a cup tie against Westfield or, or Farnham Town, yeah, we're not going to turn up for it. Um, so I was looking on their website just to get a feel for how many tickets they've sold. And I'm not that sure if they've sold a huge amount. So, you know, if we've got close on 5,000 there and they've got five, six or 7,000. I had a look last year at last year's attendances to West Brom in the fourth round of the FA Cup. They played Bristol City and there was 15,000 there. Obviously, Bristol City are a I can say as a very well supported club, but they wouldn't have had any more tickets than we were entitled to. Um, and I don't think, you know, that's a that's not a massive draw for West Brom playing Bristol City. So I think we won't get there won't be as many as that, but I think maybe twelve, twelve, thirteen thousand possibly. Um yeah. See see how much they want to see the Widdrington's older shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> most of the most of the comments have well, under mainly under the Twitter post, to be honest. So I don't know how much you can believe it, but um they're still still not happy with the the fifteen pound ticket, and I think, yeah, that's it. I saw someone today say, I think they tweeted about kids for a quid, and then someone said, why don't they just make it kids for like a quid for everyone? And then someone had to go into the like the maths of how much that would cost the club. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wonder if it, I wonder if it will. Yeah, twelve thousand. It's going to look weird in that massive stadium, um, which holds twenty six thousand eight hundred and fifty. Wrote wrote that down. Um, what do you think, Ian, about the attendance and uh, the general general vibe of the place? Yeah, I think in ten to twelve, I think they'll have maybe slightly more, but not by a lot. Um, yes, it is Twitter and people moaning about the fifteen and plenty. I think saying it should have been five. I I can understand the upright saying a ten up perhaps, but five pound or three has been mentioned is ridiculous and. Yeah, 15 to me sounds very fair, considering that we pay 20, 22 most weeks, no matter where we go to watch Aldershot, whether it's at home or away in the National League. So 15 is a very, very fair price for me. Not a draw, as I think Joe mentioned earlier. So West Brom is not going to necessarily come out to see Aldershot. But um, yeah, 10 to 12,000 would be my guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let, let's see. Um, I've got a little, a little, a couple of Hawthorns facts. Now, it, it's the highest UK ground of the ninety-two Premier League and Football League clubs. We we know that that's five hundred and fifty-one feet, apparently. Um, I want to ask, what is the lowest ground above sea level in the UK? Does anyone want to shout in? I thought we were done with the quiz last week. <laughs> Have that. I suppose it's one. Of, is it one of the seaside clubs or something like Grimsby? 
Oh, ding, ding, ding. There he is, straight away. <laughs> Blundell Park is the lowest. Two feet above sea level. It's in danger. It's in danger. Carrow Road and Blundell Park, the first to go when the uh, sea level rises. Um, and then there is one. It, one is the highest above sea level ground in the UK, full stop. Oh, I didn't know this. That It's not a football league club. Um, does, anyone, does anyone fancy a shout at the highest ground above sea level in the UK? Is it, is it in Scotland? It's not, no. Oh. Is it a decent-sized non-league ground? Is it? No. No, I think it's. I think the, the capacity is 5,000. It's famous for its water. Buxton. Buxton. A thousand feet above sea level, apparently. So if we go there, that's you've got to do at least two weeks training in uh, Canada or something. Um, grand. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, mentioning the goals... Um, their top goal scorer is Brandon Thomas Asante. He scored eight goals for them. Um, but of the definitely available players, only two of their defenders have scored more than one, and they've scored two. So I imagine um, if they are going to score, it might be from set pieces as well, to be honest. Um, we might maybe a bit susceptible to those. Yeah, I guess that let's round things off with a bit of a, a score predictions. Um, I've kind of, kind of mentioned them a little bit, but Ian, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm going to go for goalless draw. Nil-nil. Nice. Joe, what do you think? I'm going to go for 4-2 uh, to West Brom. <laughs> Wild. Where are they going to get four from? Who knows? And, and Julian, what do you reckon? Uh, Two-all draw. Two-all. They're going to equalise in the last minute before the replay. Oh, no. They don't. Give me flashbacks to Middlesbrough. <laughs> Lucas Jukowitz. <sighs> Thomas Asante's got got that kind of name, hasn't he? Remember the name, Chukowitz. Um, yeah, my my last kind of thought was that Carlos Cobran. I don't, I don't know how to actually pronounce that, that name. His Spanish manager um, for West Brom. He's six foot two. That's massive. Managers shouldn't be that height. Thoughts? How how do you respond to that? Where'd you go? What's he going to look like um, against Widrington? That's what I want to know. Who's who's the shortest manager we ever played against? I don't know that. Um, Come back to that next week, folks. It's a, it's really hard to find if they're not an ex footballer as well. They're just their height is irrelevant to the entire internet. Um, so yeah, yeah, my, I'm going up on the Saturday for for West Brom. We're going up for the night, and then hopefully a nice big day out. Probably end up in snobs in Birmingham. Listen to some indie bangers. Ground floor, if you're interested. I think it's six pound entry. Where's everyone drinking on the day? What what uh, sort of pubs have people heard? What is that pub? I've got it someone on my Google Maps. Someone tell me the Vine or something, or have I made that up? That is a way friendly, I believe. It'd be great if we could uh, if we could take over one of those pubs, wouldn't it? Get some singing going. Yeah. Wave the scarves. Tell yeah, West Brom that we're here. Let all ten of them know that we're here. <laughs> yeah, I've got a list of uh, pubs. Uh, the the one near the Hawthorns is called the Royal Oak, which I think is one that people have been. Um, saying to go to um, it's a, yeah it's about a five minute walk from Hawthorne so seems pretty good okay. there we have it that's episode five of When the Flames Go Up thanks for listening all that's left for me to say is enjoy West Brom away however you're getting there wherever you're travelling from whoever you're bringing uh, enjoy it these games don't come around too often and uh yeah, soak it in. And if I bump into you in snobs, then I'll buy you a drink.
Um, as long as you don't bring the 4,500 other fans that are uh, coming uh, with us. So, yeah, up the shots. Let's go.